Welcome to this podcast. I'm Francis Seeley from GlobeNet21 and Enfield Voices, and this is one of the regular podcasts that we do. And today we're going to look at something that I hadn't given much thought of until someone suggested that we do this webinar. And it's about active travel, but it's about active travel for women and how they travel differently and they face different problems to men. And, you know, that sort of intrigued me. And so I thought it would be really interesting to do that. And we've got with us today, Julia Valentine and Kat Leggett. Now they're both members of the Women's Equality Party. And I know they both, and particularly Kat, has done quite a bit of research in this and has been very concerned about this. So I thought it was really worth talking about it and finding out why. So Julia and Kat, welcome to this um, webinar today. And it would be great if you could begin by just telling us a bit about yourself and, and, and your own background. So Julia, can I start with you? Can you tell us about your background? Um, so, my name is Julia Valentine. I um, have been a, a member of the Women's Equality Party since it started in 2015, um, since became the leader of the Haringey branch, um, which started up um, pretty soon after the creation of the Women's Equality Party, and it is one of the areas of the biggest interest in the whole country. Um, so, um, very keen on promoting uh, environmental issues within the Women's Equality Party, um, and keen to promote the fact that um, the environment is a feminist issue. Um, and by day, I'm a marketer for an IT consultancy. Okay, that's fine. That's very brief. That's uh, that's great. And Kat, how about yeah, you? Kat, that... Yeah, it was very good. Very good. Ten out of ten. So, Kat, um, <laughs> what about you? What's what's your background? Uh, so, I've been a member of the Women's Equality Party for about six months. Um, um, I'm also an active campaigner um, on climate issues with the youth group. Um, and then by day, I work um, for an environmental NGO, uh, primarily on air pollution. Okay. Now, you belong to the Women's Equality Party. And um, uh, the thing about that is that uh, it's quite a small party at the moment, but quite influential. Um, so. I mean, what do you look at yourself as, um, uh, Julia? Uh, do you look at yourself as a party that's a pressure group to influence other parties? Or is, do you look at yourself as a party that wants to gain power? Uh, I would say both, actually. Um, so what we're trying to achieve is quite different to other parties. We're trying to, um, we're trying to combat certain uh, disadvantages for women um, and we want to say ultimately equality, uh, women's equality is better for everyone. So um, there are uh, problems such as um, inequality when it comes to health, uh, inequality when it comes to education, um, media representation and so on. Um, so there are actually seven key objectives that we have and um, we will take other votes away. We will take uh, we'll votes away from the Labour Party, the Lib Dems, the Greens, the whoever is, and, and especially the Conservatives. Um, we will definitely take away their votes unless they are willing to take on our aims. Um, but we have had very successful campaigns uh, in recent years with um, pushing our aims and trying to collaborate with other parties um, to try and achieve those goals. And um, most recently, we had a huge success. Uh, in the last elections where um, we had made the point that certain MPs 
had been allowed to run as MPs despite the fact that they were under investigation for um, allegations of sexual abuse or assault. And while when that happens, um, when there's an, an allegation of fraud, the MP is suspended and they are not allowed to stand until that allegation has been seen through. While uh, currently that's not the case when it comes to sexual abuse. So we, um, we got those people to stand down and every single one of those men um, were uh, unable to run. So that was our success and we saw that as much as a success as having an MP in Parliament. Um, so yeah, that, that's yeah, it. Yeah. In a okay, so yeah, so you you you've had a you've had a real effect, and and you're right. I mean, you you don't have to have power to be able to have influence, and you clearly have that. Now, now one of the things you're interested in, in what we're talking about today, is active travel. And as I said, I know what that meant. I thought that meant flying all over the world, and and you know, going to some exotic place. And I was wondering why you were going to be doing that in the time of COVID. And then I found out what it meant. And that was really interesting. So maybe Kat, you could explain to us what you mean by active travel. Yeah, so really simply, um, active travel is travel where you as an individual are active. So walking, cycling, scooting, rollerblading, um, that about covers it, I think. But yeah, those forms of travel that are particularly low pollution because you yourself are the mode of transport. And what do you mean when you talk about active travel for women? So women travel in different ways to men and they experience um, the, the world around us in different ways. Um, and so their access to travel is different. The barriers they face are different. Um, and when I, when we were thinking about this topic and bringing it to this, um, webinar, I thought about how essentially we have two problems, that there's the problem of gender inequality and the problem of the climate crisis. Um, but in finding gender-based solutions to the climate crisis, including through active travel, we have this one joined up solution that is both positive for the environment and positive for social justice. So, I mean, do you consider it, Kat, that um, you know, active travel for women and doing something about that is really a feminist issue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that was a short answer and very precise. And, and I guess, Julia, you feel the same. And I mean, you mentioned this in your opening, or Kat did, that it's also an important environmental issue as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I think the, the interesting thing is that um, very often, uh, people will accuse the Equality Party of being a single issue party and we've proven time and time and again that actually um, women's issues cover everything and uh, we very much believe that say for example the Greens are doing a wonderful job um, in saving the environment and saving our planet um, but we think that there is another lens to this and um, the feminist lens is currently not being discussed so um, it's crucial that the Greens and all parties think of these things because there is another aspect that is being ignored and that is um, women's equality in environmental issues. Uh, which travel is, is clearly one of those as well. Um, I gather there was a report published recently about active travelling for women um, that was called Are We Not There Yet? Um, is that something, Kat, that's influenced you or have you had this interest before the report came out? 
Um, so I actually only read the report quite recently. I believe it's by Sustrans. Um, but for me, I've, I've always been interested in feminist issues and I've always been interested in climate change issues and bringing them together just makes a lot of sense. So this is something that you, you had you know, a lifelong interest in and, and, and it wasn't just about that report. You, you mentioned about how men and women travel differently and they do. Um, some people may not understand that. I certainly didn't until I read about it. I mean, could you explain to people how men and women travel differently? Yeah, so on a, a really simple statistical level, um, the modes of transport that um, men and women take um, aren't the same. Women are more likely to walk, men are much more likely to cycle, women are actually more likely to take more trips by car, um, they're also more likely to take the bus, and then men are more likely to travel by train. But then if we look at it in more of a, a purpose-driven sense, women are much more likely to be um, escorting children to school, uh, taking them to leisure activities, doing the shopping, whereas men tend to have quite a, a direct purpose of travel. They tend to go to and from work. And so that means that we don't operate the same um, as we travel. Um, women are quite likely to do something called trip chaining, uh, which means you'll do lots of different uh, stop-offs on your journey. And that in particular really affects how we travel. It's interesting that, I mean, why is it you think, and maybe you could answer this, Julia, why is it you think women travel differently to men? You explained, you know, shorter trips and what they do. I mean, why, why is it? Why are we so different? Um, well, actually, I re have more recommended reading. Um, Caroline Criado Perez wrote the book Invisible Women, and it was about uh, statistics. Uh, I think all of women's college parties read it, but uh, it's, it's all about the statistics behind um, research in general, you name it, whatever field, and women are so often excluded, or the, the, the common idea is um, this is what we know, and we base it on men, men become the norm. And it's not necessarily done deliberately or maliciously. It's just that men tend to have the jobs that are doing the research. So they think of themselves. So therefore, they don't take into account these things. So um, she used an example of um, women in a certain area in, uh, I think it was Norway, where um, no one had thought about the pavement being covered in snow and um, the fact that that was causing a lot of accidents. And it hadn't really occurred to the men who'd done the town planning, that actually um, it was women who were very often making the, the walk to childcare institutions to go to um, look after elderly relatives, uh, doing uh, doing the shopping and the, and the, and the multi-trips that Kat was talking about. It's the... Um, it's those things outside of your daily work, which traditionally women have those roles. And traditionally, and of course, this isn't everyone, um, but traditionally, uh, women tend to do care work, women tend to do um, the, the shopping, um, and that will involve uh, doing a lot of different trips. Women also tend to have um, uh, not, not have a car. So women drive a lot less, and that's the case in many countries and in London as well. Car ownership is much higher among men than it is among women. 
Um, so for all of those reasons, women just have a, a very different experience when it comes to um, their daily travel. Okay, so that gives us some idea of why, because of the different things they do, the care and, 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 and childcare and, and so on. Um, is, I mean, is there a particular problem as well for disabled women and older women cats? I mean, uh, we're talking about all women, but that's a sort of general, general term. But older women and disabled women have particular problems, don't they? Thinking about older women, um, when you think about uh, walking and cycling in particular, cycling, it's quite dangerous when viewed from the outside. And older women... Uh, tend to be the feel the most vulnerable and um, when they're cycling they're, they're worried in particular about falling off their bike and doing themselves an injury that means they can't um, they maybe then can't go about their their general daily lives um, and so that really stops them from choosing um, that method of active travel um, I think Jules is probably the best one to ask about um, experience of disabled women. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I did actually want to invite our, um, our fellow Haringey member, who, uh, Dr. Sharabhajaya Kumar, unfortunately she couldn't make it, but um, she has, um, a, 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 she's living with disability, um, she's in a wheelchair and uh, she has um, partial, part, she's partially sighted. So that can cause a lot of problems for her when it comes to getting out and about. She can't just go somewhere on her own. Um, and while uh, there are problems uh, for both disabled men and women, and also older men and women, um, there is uh, a problem where women will um, tend to be uh, more, maybe less confident. And uh, like Kat was saying that um, if if there's a worry that they'll be hurt, then um, then they'll they'll eventually close themselves in and not travel. So for her, it's very important to think about. Um, she she called it the social model. I think if, again, it's something to look up. Um, but she was talking about the social model being a way of town planning, thinking about those issues first. So uh, I, rather than it being an afterthought, we think, for example, London is at currently readdressing how we walk. The report also says that women travel very often for mental health reasons, physical health, but mental health reasons as well. Uh, could you explain that, why they would do that rather than men? So it's been shown that being out there and exercise is great for your uh, mental health. And I think this is something that women are perhaps more aware of. Um, I think it's also something that uh, women are we live in a society where women are more likely to act on their mental health in comparison to men and that's why this is a, a feminist issue rather than a, a women's issue because it benefits both people to um create greater equality um in the transport sector and i mean do you want to say anything about the mental health issue because travel is a way of or going out actively is a way of you know clearing your mind and so on i mean women go and meet other women, they meet and they talk and they travel. And is that a way of engagement and of, of dealing with mental health, uh, Julia? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think um, one thing that I've noticed a lot of is the focus on 
uh, going back to work in offices that's hitting the press at the moment and this sort of nostalgic idea of the tube and how wonderful it is and yes it's a wonderful invention and we're all very grateful for it but um, something that's not being uh, discussed as much is um, the the mental health benefits to walking or cycling to work that's a huge benefit and as long as well as physical um, and I think that's uh, I think again exactly as Kat says it's a it's a feminist issue meaning um, it's men's and women's equality that we're talking about um, it yeah that's that's yeah it's a very important aspect of it yeah, I mean, when, you, when you're talking about public policy and uh, having an, an effect on that, um, I noticed that the report again, uh, you know, said that women are, are fearful very often of, of walking and cycling um, because of, of safety and so on. And yet the, we know that um, women cycle more than men uh, by far. Uh, and so is public policy to increase, say, cycle lanes, is that a benefit to women? Um, would you argue that, Katrina? Yeah, absolutely. Um, safe and particularly physically separated cycle lanes um, are a huge part um, or should be a huge part of this solution. Um, there was a there's a project um, that's led by a woman called Rachel Aldred and it's all about near misses. And women are far more likely to be involved in a near miss incident than men are although the um, fatality rates are, are quite similar. Women are almost twice as likely to be subjected to one of these near misses. Um, and so if you're in what you would think of as a traditional green painted line cycle lane, you're much more exposed to that. Whereas having a physical cycle lane where there's a, a space um, and you're in a, a different sphere from the cars, um, it really reduces that feeling of um, being unsafe. Okay, so I mean, that's, that's the psychological thing that women will feel. But given the fact that there are differences, I mean, how would you change public policy? What would you want to see happen to make active travel for women easier and safer, Kat? Um, I think the first thing would be representation. Um, so women actually only account for 22% of workers in the transport sector across the UK. And so the needs of all those women who are out there participating in travel um, aren't being heard to the same extent as men. And so getting over that first hurdle and making that representation more equal um, would be a great first start. Other really great things would be um, improved signage. Um, so that's particularly thinking about cycling, um, whereas representation would be great for women across the entire transport sector. Um, but women, are, uh, if you're doing lots of little trips and having to get from place to place, it, being able to know where you're going is a really key part of that. Um, and then I think the other big thing is uh, to make sure that this data is still being collected. There's obviously some really good reports out there, um, but consistently collecting gender disaggregated data and then using that to develop gender responsive budgets and gender responsive plans is such a key part of what the policies should be including. 
Yeah, I mean, but that, that's interesting in how you would change it. And, and that figure you gave about 22% of female workers in transport is one I was going to mention to you because I saw that as well. I also found in Scotland that um, women only represent 6.25% of head of transport bodies. Now, I mean, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? And, and, and in a way, that makes it difficult for women's views to be heard and for policy, policies to be implemented that would benefit women. I mean, do you find that the case, Julia? Yeah, and it's across the board. And that's why uh, we take these focuses and we try to give it this feminist lens. Because if you think about all the great work that's being done, there's only so far that it can go if you don't focus on these aspects. So we need to be that voice to try and push those issues with all parties and it needs to be also a cross-party effort. Um, there are 51% of, uh, sorry, 51% of the population is women in the UK. So it really does affect every party, every um, voter. You know, that we really need to think about these things and at the moment um, it's still being a bit left behind. And it's a question of A, thinking about things, and B, making sure that women are represented fairly on those boards. I, I saw some European research that shows some strong evidence from many sectors that equal representation and diversity in decision-making bodies has a positive impact on service design. And is that something, Kat, that you think we should be working towards, making sure there's equality on the decision-making bodies? Absolutely. I think people, uh, deliberately or not, tend to think from their own experience. And so if you have greater experience in those decision-making bodies, then there can be Im improved services for people living with disabilities, for women, for people of colour. It's all about making sure that everybody is in the room so that all of their voices can be heard. And, and Julia, is that something that uh, you feel strongly about as well, that, um, that we should have better representation so that we can have policy that reflects what women want? And is that something that you see the Women's Equality Party pushing and campaigning on? Yes, um, it's a really good point as well about the fact that we need to think about intersectional feminism. So thinking about um, every group that might face an additional challenge um, in representation they might face extra discrimination um, purely because uh, well technically we live in, in a, a, a white supremacist patriarchy um, that is also ableist and it's something that's not really discussed but um, while we live under that that scenario across the whole world um, we cannot exclude any group we have to think about all of the different groups that are that face extra discrimination so um, if you're talking about cycling for example especially in London um, women of colour are even less likely to cycle than uh, white women and that's another issue where um, we need representation we need women of colour to make decisions about active travel we need to say why is it that that's a problem and then we need to address it um, in a way that suits people of colour. You can't just assume that one size fits all. So um, representation um, and thinking about those different groups that are affected by policy is absolutely crucial.
I mean, that's interesting. Do you think it's the people who are economically marginalized or people of color who feel more discriminated about being able to travel freely and confidently than those who are fairly well to do? I mean, is that something you've found in your research, Kat? Um, I, I wouldn't want to speak for those people in any way. Um, but as Jules has said, it's, it's women of color who are um, least likely uh, to cycle. Um, I think one thing uh, to reflect on is that both access to travel and the consequences of unequal access to travel um, are sort of two parts of this problem. And so when you think about that unequal access to travel, it means access to services and potentially employment are also affected. And so you can almost see a, a circular thing where people feeling being unable to um, travel freely then don't necessarily have the same opportunities um, and so are almost stuck in a, a cycle if that makes sense. Yeah no it, it does make sense. Okay so you know Kat if Boris Johnson was to come to you today apart from running away what would you what would be the first thing what would be the one thing you would say to him that would help to improve the situation that we're talking about now? Um, significant investment. So currently, I believe about uh, the budget has about 22 billion pounds earmarked for roads um, and about 5 million earmarked for active travel. And that discrepancy shows that the way that the current leadership think about these things and where their priorities are. And so I would want to see significant greater investment in active travel and I would want to see um, uh, a balanced diverse group of people heading up the policy creation to decide what to do with that significant investment. Okay and um, you know Julia supposing the leader of Harringay Council came to you and said okay what's the one thing you would like me to do through the local authority what would your answer be to, to that person? They do more. Um, so currently, to be fair on Harry and Gay, they are addressing a lot of issues. They are doing a good job of trying to listen. Um, but I think that there's, there's a lot more that they can do. Um, driving is still seen as the priority in Harry and Gay. And um, there's a lot of um, living streets are, are running a very strong campaign to say we want to um, redirect or, or circumvent or prevent altogether traffic that's going through Harringay from central London um, and the, the likelihood is uh, that a lot of those people won't need to make that journey by car, that they could um, carpool, they could uh, take public transport, they could get there around a different way and we could also make car routes longer and not fear the rust of people who are taking um, a, a poor choice we could actually make it easier for people to cycle and walk and then uh, yes it might be an inconvenience to some of the the, the polluting drivers out there um, but that's something that we'll have to face so i think it it takes also some bravery on the council's part and to say um, no not everybody can drive through harringay and we need to um, prioritize uh, reducing pollution and promote active travel 
it, it, it's the people who drive through Harringay from elsewhere is it that you're concerned about, not the people who live in Harringay and a woman, for example, who might be uh, taking a relative to a hospital by car or a carer who had to come in for a woman who needed care. Is it the drive through people that you're concerned about? Yeah, I, I happen to um, be a part of uh, Living Streets Network and they have told me that the majority of traffic in Harringay is caused by through traffic um, and actually the majority of people in Harringay take public transport to get around um, and especially in poorer areas uh, people can't necessarily afford cars so um, it's even more necessary to enable active travel and to also make it easy for people to get around um, with public transport especially during Covid when public transport has to be restricted and then uh, we can't uh, also packed on a bus anymore. Um, so yes, um, it has to, and it has to be possible for, um, especially people with disabilities um, and caring responsibilities who need to bring a real wheelchair around or a pushchair, um, whatever it is, they need to be able to drive around without getting clogged up in traffic the whole time as well. Okay, well, we're getting right to the end now. So let me ask you, um, Kat, if anybody wanted to find out more about active travel for women, where would they go to find out about it? Um, I think there are a number of great places. Um, Sustrans, I believe, wrote that report that you talked about at the beginning. Um, Rachel Aldred, as I mentioned, um, is a, a leading thinker um, in, this, in this space. Um, and then Cycling UK um, have also done um, some really good work um, on cycling for women. Okay, and Julia, if anybody wanted to know about the Women's Equality Party, where would they go for that? Uh, go to womensequality.org.uk um, you will see uh, everything you need to know to read about it, read about our seven objectives, what we want to achieve. Um, but also how to sign up. You can either sign up to a mailing list, you can join your local branch, um, you don't have to pay a thing to join in Harringay activities. Um, and then of course, if you want to become a formal member, you can vote on our policies and you can push for the environment to be pushed further up the Women's College Party agenda. Okay, well, thank you for doing that. I mean, that's really interesting. And I'm really grateful you let a man interview you. And um, I'm glad you did because I've learned a lot about active travel because I didn't understand those things until I looked into this until I did the, the webinar. It's a great thing doing webinars. You learn more than actually reading a book. So it's, it's great to do. So thank you for doing that. It's been uh, really interesting. And obviously you're both doing a great job on that. So keep doing it. And, uh, you know, thank you. And we'll... Uh, in this webinar interview now.